We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every other Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, and more. College or NFL, whatever your flavor, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40, the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Here, tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. Yeah, we back, baby. It's your host of the Sideline to Sideline podcast. It's your boy, Aaron Mukes. Welcome back. Episode number six. Man, how's everybody been? It's been a while. Been a few weeks, man. Um, a lot going on with the coronavirus still and in the crazy world of sports, but I had some, uh, had some, had some scares of my own, man. You know, the wife got a little sick, thought she might have COVID, but, uh, we, we moved past that. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't COVID, man. It was, you know, just strep throat. So I was, I was telling my wife, I was like, man, I never thought I'd be so happy, you know, that you had strep throat. (laughs) That's the kind of, that's the kind of crazy 2020 we're living in, man. When you get strep throat, it's a blessing. So, um, so yeah, man, we had, we had a couple weeks off, but we're back. So we're going to get started right away, man. Let's go. Sideline to sideline. Here we go. All right, first up, man, the, the most recent news that kind of caught my attention, and I don't think it got enough play on the on the air, was the, the move by Washington to cut Darius Geis. Um, man, coming out of LSU, this guy, this guy had a lot of potential, man. A lot of people were talking about he's, you know, the next big running back. You know, dealt, dealt with some injuries over the past couple of seasons, the first his first couple of years in the league. And then now we have this arrest for domestic violence and lo and behold, new regime in Washington. Obviously, they're dealing with, you know, the name change. And I keep still calling them the Redskins, but um, dealing with the name change and then the allegations of, you know, sexual harassment in their in their, you know, their culture, in their um, organization. And then now this a domestic violence arrest from, from Darius Geis. Ron Rivera, I think, set a pretty good example by, you know, moving on from him. Obviously, they haven't relied heavily on him due to the the injury concerns, but I think that with with Ron Rivera coming in there and him trying to change the culture of that organization, I think he did right by by letting him go. So that was kind of the big news that I wanted to touch on first. There was a couple other things, you know, to point out. Uh, the 49ers signed Jordan Reed. Uh, now I, I don't know what this means. Uh, Jordan Reed obviously has some potential. Um, in San Francisco, you know, he's he's a good tight end when he's healthy. But with Kittle there, I'm not sure, you know, what the motives were here. Maybe just a, some depth pieces. And obviously, he's had the concussion history. So not not too much significance there, but I thought that was interesting. And then uh, Sammy Watkins mentioning how he took a pay cut or left money on the table to stay in Kansas City. And he was quoted as saying, why do I need to leave? I've made enough money. And... I found that to be kind of refreshing. Uh, you know, a lot of players in today's today's sports world, you know, they're 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 thinking about that money and and in this case Sammy Watkins wants to win and, and be part of an organization that that has a chance to to be good for a long time. 
Um, Antonio Brown, man, this this guy, this guy's been obviously all over the news for the past year and a half or so. And it was announced that he was suspended for eight games by the league for violation of the personal conduct policy. Uh, we knew this was coming. We just didn't know how long. I'm not sure if it means anything. I don't know if this guy's in the right minds, you know, right right state of mind to to play football anyways. Um, but now it's going to be interesting to see which team, if there is one, decides to take a chance on him. So I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of what kind of interest teams have in him, and if there is going to be a team that decides to pick up pick up Antonio Brown and, and see what kind of impact he may may or may not have. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on was I've been watching ESPN, man, and there was a lot of a lot of backlash based on this NFL 100, you know, choosing and picking the top 100 players in the league. And the first thing I want to say about this is everybody has to realize that this list that's voted on by the players is made based on last year, not potential, not what could be, not what you did three years ago, not what you did four years ago. It's supposed to be based on what you did the previous year. And so for all these media personalities to be outraged that Carson Wentz was left off the top 100 because Josh Allen was there or Jimmy Garoppolo was there. Let's be real. Carson Wentz was not good last year. He had a four game stretch down the end, down towards the end of the season where he played the giants, Washington and the Dallas Cowboys twice. And we all know what the Dallas Cowboys did last year, you know, towards the end of the season, their defense was horrific and he put up good numbers against those teams in the worst division, probably in NFL history. And you want him to be on the top 100? Come on, we got to stop looking at Carson Wentz because he was a top pick and thinking he should be, you know, mentioned with the elite quarterbacks. Every list I see him on by from these quote-unquote experts, they all want to put him in the, the elite category. What has he done that's made him elite? You know, I, I don't see it. I've seen every time he's made it to the playoffs or gotten close, he's been hurt. I've seen him start the season very well, probably the MVP favorite, and then he got hurt. And then Nick Foles went with that with that team and won a Super Bowl. So was it Carson Wentz or was that team really just that good? So until until Carson Wentz can prove to me that he's capable of staying healthy and and leading his team somewhere, I don't want to hear about you know, how you're so upset because he's not voted in the top 100. He needed to be behind Josh Allen. Josh Allen took a Buffalo Bills team that has, by, you know, by and large part, far less talent than the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and they're the Buffalo Bills. They never win. So when you take a franchise like that, who hasn't done anything since the early 90s, and you make them relevant again, and you're competing with the Patriots, yeah, you deserve to be ahead of Carson Wentz. So, that's my sideline to sideline for the day. Really quick, just some hot topics. Uh, we got a we got a good show for you guys, man. We're gonna uh, we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about a number of things. But I wanted to point out we got a we got a special coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's gonna be a fantasy football special. I have a special guest that we're gonna introduce. He's gonna be kind of our resident fantasy football expert. We're gonna do things from rankings to sleepers to rookie impact to breakout players, you know, maybe even a little bit of mock drafting and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun episode. So stay tuned for that. That will happen at the end of the month, just before the season kicks off. Yes, that's right. We are going to have a season. I am still optimistic. And regardless of what college football decides to do, the NFL 
is going to happen. So let's um, let's keep our fingers crossed for that and let's get this underway. Let's talk about this COVID, man. Uh, first thing, who decided to opt out? And I found this interesting that the NFL pushed the deadline back from a Monday to a Thursday following a number of players deciding to sit out for the season. And I think the total number came out to about 66 players who decided to opt out due to the COVID pandemic and they'll still receive some sort of stipend or pay um, as a result of that. I don't know all the details, but they had a, a deadline and the deadline has come and gone. And there were a total of 66 players that decided to opt out. One of the, one of them was actually a free agent, Larry Warford. So um, it was 66 players and then one free agent. And I wanted to talk about some of the notable players that decided to make this move and kind of the impact it might have on on their teams. So, for instance, the first one, which I think stood out to me, and, you know, I don't, I don't put him up there with the upper echelon of talented running backs or players, even in the league. But, I mean, we have to give him credit, you know, give credit where credit is due. He was the Super Bowl MVP, in my opinion, you know, and, and everybody else's as well, obviously. Um, and, that, and that's, that's Damian Williams. Uh, Damian Williams had a monster, monster Super Bowl. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets a lot of love, and he usually is the reason Kansas City wins. But there's something to be said about, about Damian Williams and the way he performed. You know, when he was when he was with the Dolphins, there was a lot to be made of. You know, he, he had the ability athletically, but he just wasn't a complete complete back. And, you know, going to Kansas City, Kansas City's found a way to use him just – to, to his skill set, allowing him to kind of excel in his role and he feels comfortable. And and I think Damian Williams was as much a part of that team last year as Kareem Hunt was when he was there. And I know, you know, he maybe he didn't get the volume Kareem Hunt got or the attention, but Damian Williams is is a legit back in this league. And it shouldn't be taken lightly that he's sitting this season out, you know, especially after winning the Super Bowl and kind of making a name for himself. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, why, why would you make that choice? Um, I mean, outside of obviously, if you, if you just fear for your family or your well-being, um, there, there, I don't want to say there was an ulterior motive, but I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, there, there may have been a chance that a season gets cut short this year or with the drafting of Clyde's Edward Hilaire that Kansas City may go away from Damian Williams a little bit. And maybe he wouldn't get the volume that he had last year or the notoriety that he got towards the end of last year. And he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. So I was thinking, well, maybe he kind of did that strategically to score a contract from a team when he does come back next year. Now, you know, you might be yelling through your, through your screen. You're crazy. Why would anybody do that? Well, let, let's just, let's just look at it. He's a free agent. They drafted a rookie running back with a 32nd pick overall in the first round. And you just come off of a, a Super Bowl where you were a standout breakout player and you're going to look to get paid. So if you know your reps are probably going to go down this year and in turn, your value may go down. Well, if you sit out, maybe that value doesn't go down. Maybe that value still stays at the at the value that you had when they last saw you play. And that was in the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just saying that's a way to look at it. So I found that interesting that Damian Williams was one of the first to to say he wasn't going to going to play this year due to the COVID pandemic. 
And then we had a couple other guys, Jets linebacker C.J. Mosley, obviously big for them. But let's be real, the Jets are a laughing stock. Adam Gaze should not be a head coach. And the, Jet, the Jets aren't going to do anything for a long time. Sam Darnold or no Sam Darnold, their organization is in shambles. And C.J. Mosley's probably just thinking, you know what, it's just a year off. Save me some, save me some uh, wear and tear on my body and you know, not have to go through the losing season that we're going to go through. Then there was a couple of offensive linemen, Seattle guard Chance Warmack and the Giants left tackle Nate Solder, which I thought was interesting since the Giants have had a poor offensive line for the past couple of seasons, and now they, their left tackle is going to sit out this season. So that, that was interesting. And most notice, notably, sorry, most notably, the, the New England Patriots, they had eight players, eight, eight players decided to sit out. And, you know, I've heard everything from their tanking to they don't care. They've won so many Super Bowls. And it wasn't just like, oh, practice squad players or a couple of, you know, backups. Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, and Marquise Lee. All viable starters, all legit high-level players. And, you know, they're all sitting out. And that you know, that number one defense or the top defense that they had last year without Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower is definitely going to suffer. And it just goes, it just goes to show you that in the NFL, man, I don't care what team you are. One off season can make or break you. It can change your whole direction of your program. And Belichick is the GOAT. Bill Belichick is, in my opinion, the best coach that's ever lived. I don't know how he's going to work with this. I know they got Cam. I, I they lose Brady, but I know they got Cam, and I know he's talented. But their offensive line is falling apart. Whether they're trading them, releasing them, signing elsewhere, not playing because of COVID, injuries, whatever it is, they're falling apart. And which was you know Cam's problem already was getting hurt. So you know no offensive line. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But with no offensive line, you lose your leader on defense. Um, two of your leaders on defense, actually, with Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung. And then your new acquisition of Marquise Lee at the wide receiver position, which you lack a bunch of rookies and then Edelman. Which So playmakers on the outside are are hard to find um, in New England, and they lose the one they just brought in, in Marquise Lee. So I don't know, I don't know how Belichick's going to get out of this one. If you're, a, if you're a believer in the Patriots are tanking and they're going to – lose on purpose so they can draft Trevor Lawrence for their future, then this, you know, this is right up your alley. It's probably what you said the minute you heard this news. But outside of that, I I think the Patriots are a mess. I think the Patriots are a mess this year. I don't think they are better than Buffalo. I don't see them winning that division, and I don't see them making the playoffs. I know. I've said it before in this show, and I'm going to continue to say it. The Patriots will not make the playoffs. And we can argue, I mean, we can argue until we're blue in the face about it. All we can do is wait to see what happens in the season. But they're not. They're just not good enough. Everybody wants to talk about just the coach. It takes more than the coach. You absolutely need players in this league. Coaching matters in football, probably more so than any other sport. But if you don't have players, if you don't have talent, you're not going to win. I don't care how good your coach is. I don't care if you're Belichick Lombardi. You have to have players. And right now, New England doesn't have players. 
Simple as that. So one of the biggest um, one of the biggest moves we had this off season, you know, recently happened, and I was thinking about it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. One of our shows, I believe it was episode three or four. We talked about Jamal Adams and the requesting a trade. And I made it I made it clear that I didn't think Jamal Adams was going to get moved this year. And then out of nowhere, you know, crazy Pete Carroll and Seattle, uh, they made the move to get him. And, you know, the deal is it's interesting because I didn't see a team giving up two first-round picks for him. But the more I look at the deal, the more I'm, I'm seeing people talk about it was too much. Not only did they give up the two first-round picks, but they also gave a third and Bradley McDougal. And you can say what you want about Bradley McDougal, but he's serviceable. He's a, you know, he's a he's a safety in this league that can play. So I thought I thought it was a bit a bit much. You know, especially not not so much the deal itself, but then on top of that, you have to pay him. And I can only imagine what he's going to ask for. I mean, Jamal Adams, in my opinion, is the best safety in the league. Now we could argue top two, top three, but he's up there. And right now, I'm sure when they go to renew his contract, they're going. He's going to be asking for you know probably close to 15 million a year, and that it, it shouldn't be a shock to Seattle. And they're going to have to pay him. They gave up too much capital not to pay him. So when Jamal Adams cashes in and he's making 15 million dollars a year, I believe the next closest is Eddie Jackson with the Bears, and then um, Kevin Byard with Tennessee, and they're both making 14 plus. So Jamal Adams is going to ask for 15 and Seattle's going to have to pay him. So you, you get the two first round picks 2021 and 2022. You get a third rounder in 2021 Bradley McDougal. If you're the jets, it's probably a win for a guy that didn't even want to, that, that didn't even want to be there. Like, I mean, you know, you can only, you can only hold on to a player for so long. Once a player wants to go, you you can't sit there and say, we're not going to trade him. We're not going to move him. We're not going to do anything. He's stuck because you see what happens. Now players are taking it into their own hands and you have situations like Le'Veon Bell, you know, and they, until they get paid or until they get what they want, they just won't show up and they won't play. So you have to, you have to make these players happy. That's just the nature of the beast. And the Jets got a good return for him. So if I'm the Jets, I'm, I'm happy with that return. Now I, I need to learn how to draft. Obviously, I have to turn those draft picks into talent, and that you know that's a story for another day. But I want to look at it from Seattle's angle. I, I kind of see this as Seattle trying to recreate that defense that they had when there was the Legion of Boom. Uh, you know, obviously that defense was special. You don't just create that defense. But Jamal Adams is definitely a leader on the defensive side of the football. He is a focal point. He's somebody that you can build your defense around, and. You know, Seattle is the type of team, they don't need stars everywhere. You know, Russell Wilson is a an absolute stud at the quarterback position. He leads that team. They don't need stars. They seem to just find the right fit. And Pete Carroll, whether you love him or hate him, he's a hell of a coach. And he finds a way to win. And they've been they've been winning since he's been there, and I don't see it changing. I really, really like the move for Seattle. And yes, they're going to have to pay him. And yes, maybe some people are going to say he's overpaid or they're spending too much money on that position. But the fact of the matter is, is he's worth it. He, he's a game changer and he plays with passion and heart. And I, I mean, I love Jamal Adams. I think Jamal Adams is, is a Hall of Famer. 
and and I see Seattle making that move as as a statement, not only a statement to the league, but mainly the 49ers. Like, hey, we're not going anywhere. You know, we know you were in the Super Bowl last year. We know the division run through you, but we we owned this division for a while, and we're not going anywhere. We're right here, and I can see those two teams battling it out this year. Uh, again, you know, all over again. So I, I can't wait to see those matchups. I, I really can't. I think they're going to be great. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if Jamal Adams pans out in Seattle. But, I mean, they didn't get worse. And they were, you know, a few games away from the Super Bowl last year. So um, they're definitely going to make some noise. And we'll, we'll see what Jamal Adams can, can bring to their defense and how he changes that, the landscape of that team. All right, man. This is uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna wear you guys out with this conversation and this topic, obviously until the season starts, because it, it was one of the biggest moves of the off season, and it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and I still can't, I, I still can't see it. Like I still can't picture it. I still can't until he plays a snap, you know, in a game. I'm, I'm still just not gonna be able to to wrap my mind around that. But he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and. He, he made a, a statement earlier, I think it was a week or so ago. I don't know, it was, it, was, it was recently. And he talked about how learning the new offense was challenging for him. And I'm thinking, Tom Brady, like one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, why is he having so much trouble learning a new offense? And then you realize, this man's been in the same system for 20 years. For 20 years, it's like it's like you and me working at our, our, you know, our nine to five, our desk job and we're doing our thing. We've been there for 20 years. We know everything there is to know about the office. Everybody comes to us. We have all the answers. And then you go start a new job and now you're in construction and you've never hammered a nail and you don't know what to do. So, you know, obviously it's still football, but Bruce Arians, you know, terminology, everything's going to be different. And there's an adjustment period that it's going to have to be made for Tom Brady. And I think that's, you know, without having preseason and no offseason camps, I think that's going understated by by a lot of people. I think people aren't realizing that it's going to take time for Tom Brady to understand and gel and work with his new teammates and and this offense to actually click. Everybody's talking about shootouts and such high-scoring games, and I'm not so sure. A lot of talent on, on Tampa Bay especially at the receiver position, right? But how well is Tom Brady going to gel in that offense and understand all the nuances and be able to call plays at the line of scrimmage and the audibles and the checks and the hot reads and, you know, all the, all these things and still playing at a high level. Now, obviously, he's the greatest that's ever done it, so you can't discount him, but I think there's going to be an adjustment period. So look for early in the season it to be a little bit more vanilla, a little bit less you know, wide open and and then as the season progresses and he becomes more comfortable and Tom becomes a little bit more um, in sync with his receivers, I think you'll see it open up a little bit. But I just found it really, really interesting that he actually said he's he's cha- he's facing challenges <laughs> learning the new offense. And, you know, you just don't you don't put Tom Brady in faces challenges where he's struggling in the in the same sentence, uh, at least throughout his career thus far. So. I found that to be pretty funny. And then the last thing, man, we, we needed to get to is this college football. How is this going to impact the NFL? And I know it's been – it's crazy. It changes every day, right? You get conferences canceling their season. Then you get conferences still scheduling games. 
and saying we're going to play no matter what. You have two top five, two top five uh, preseason, you know, preseason poll top five teams that are are, are not even going to be playing. I mean, what, what how how is this going to work? I don't. You have the Pac-12, the Big Ten saying we're postponing, we're not playing, we're gonna, uh, we're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna wait until spring, and that that's two teams there. I think in Oregon and Ohio State. Um, and then you get these teams like like Clemson that says, well, we're going to play no matter what. SEC is going to play. We'll play a conference schedule because our conference is always considered the best anyway. So when we beat all these teams, we're going to still be looked at as the number one team. And when we win the national title, it shouldn't be looked at differently. And I'm thinking, man, this is college football. You're going to have a season with no fans. Some of the big teams aren't going to be playing. What what are we doing? And this just is it's poor leadership at the top. I mean, the NCAA is just, it's its so much bad leadership and bad decision makers. Why can't they unify, come up with an agreement or a solution or something to where they're all on the same page? What happens is when we let these conferences make their own decisions, you have chaos. And this is what it is. It's absolute chaos. The NCAA wants to put their thumb on everything. But then when we come to this situation where we actually need somebody in a leadership or a position of power in a leadership role to say, hey, Let's take a step back. How can we do this where we're all on the same page and we're all doing the same thing? They don't want to do it. They rather sit down and watch from their ivory tower and watch all these conferences make their own decisions, good, bad, or indifferent. And I think it's an injustice not only to the programs, but it's an injustice to, to the players. And what you're going to have is Nick Saban, I think, said it, is you're going to have these players that aren't playing and they're going to go back to their hometowns or wherever because school's online or whatever it is and there's going to be trouble because of it some of these players went to college and got in got into these schools and they escaped where they were at and i just hope i pray that that doesn't happen but the ncaa really needs to take a long look at what they're doing and how that they how they can approach the 2020 season on a united front and not do everything separate and i you know i'm hoping there's college football but I want there to be college football with everybody playing. If not, man, I say push everybody back to the spring and we'll figure it out from there. And, and I mean, let's be honest. I'm not sure the NFL cares one way or the other. The NFL is just going to take more TV slots. You're going to find games on Saturdays, Friday nights. You know, the NFL is going to take advantage of everybody being at home, no programming on TV. They're going to put on games. And you notice that the talk about canceling season is not coming from the NFL because the NFL is going to make their money. I don't see the NFL having an issue making their money. Now, they might run into some COVID cases, but they're going to tell them players, put them on a list, and who's the next person up? Let them play. I don't, I don't see the NFL. It's, it's just too much money, too much revenue from these TV stations and these networks. I don't see the NFL canceling anything. So I think that's going to impact the NFL significantly if the college does cancel everything, and mainly in, in when they broadcast games and things like that. So you have you have these situations where you might see a game on a Friday night. You might see a game on a you know Thursday evening or whatever it is. But you're definitely going to see these games from the NFL. So... I look forward to I look forward to that coming up. You got hard knocks coming up. You have man, uh 
the season's just around the corner, man. I'm, I'm excited. I, I can't, I can't stress it enough. I am so excited. I know there hasn't been much on the NFL or much on football, but I am super excited to get this started. We're back. Sideline to sideline podcast is going to be coming at you weekly, starting in a few weeks. Once week one happens, we're, we're going, man. We're not going to stop, and we're going to start breaking stuff down. We're going to let you know. Um, we're going to let you know how things are going as as it pertains to our favorites to win. Obviously, without preseason, you can't judge anything, man. We're just going to go out week one and play. And and I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some some laughing stock football week one. It's going to be funny. It's it's going to be a different product than what we're used to seeing week one. And that's no off season. That's no OTAs. That's no that's you know a a makeshift training camp. And that's no preseason. And preseason was the subject of conversation many times, and how it didn't matter. But I'm telling you, watch when we when we first sit down to watch those first week one games, people are going to be like, man, this look like, this looks like preseason. It's going to be, it's going to be bad football. So, but I'm looking forward to it. Bad football or not. I can't wait. Um, like I said, coming up our next show, uh, we have fantasy football expert. He goes by sack fantasy experts on Twitter. His name's David Gonzalez. We're going to be sitting down talking some fantasy football and it's going to be a fun episode, man. It's going to be real interactive. We're going to get some, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about a lot. So for you fantasy football players that want to win your league, I promise you that we, we're going to give you everything you need to win. Uh, my experience and David's experience, as many championships as we have, you, you got a chance to win. So listen to the show. And other than that, we will see you in a couple weeks. Peace out.